Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. Really glad to have you along with us today. So we're talking about a really important subject and one that confuses an awful lot of unbelievers and it's also caused a lot of confusion amongst believers. And this has to do with the Old Testament law. Remember, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount here, the greatest sermon ever given, and it really lays the foundation for how we as Christians ought to be living in God's kingdom. And we're at this verse where Jesus said, do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, this is, creates a lot of confusion because what, what's up with the law? In the scripture, in the New Testament, we're taught that we're not saved by keeping the law. And some people wonder, well, does that mean that the law is now irrelevant, that the law is just passed away? And well, here Jesus says it's not passed away. But look what Paul says. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans 3.28. So our justification isn't based on faith, or excuse me, it's based on faith and not based on the law or keeping the law or the works of the law. So what's the purpose of the law? Well, yesterday we saw how the law is designed to lead us to Christ. The purpose of the law shows us really how we've broken the law how we've fallen short of what God requires and are in need of salvation. If you're with us today and you're not sure of that yourself, you're not sure, do you really need Jesus? Or are you basically good enough? Well, go through the Ten Commandments and ask how you're doing with them. Have you ever broken any of them? Not only we'll be seeing in the next week or so, not only broken them in the actual deed, but broken them even in your heart. For instance, Jesus said, You've heard that said you shall not commit murder, but I say, if you're angry with your brother, or if you call someone an empty, a good-for-nothing fool, you're guilty of that murder, violating that hatred, is guilty of breaking the sixth commandment. And so when you go through that, you realize, wow, I have sinned. And I used to think, well, you know, sure, I've sinned, but I've done more good things than bad things. And if you're going to weigh out a kind of a scale of justice, I've done more. The, the good stuff will outweigh the bad stuff. But that's not how we do it. We don't do that in a courtroom, do you? I mean, recently we see, you know, you see a person convicted of a crime, uh, a good person, a person of high standing, and was he murdered his wife and it was in the news, you know. Well, he doesn't stand there and say, look, judge, look at all the good things I did. And so what, I murdered my wife. Consider all the good things. Let's balance it out. and You'll see how how I don't deserve to go to prison. That's not how it works. You're expected to be good. And, and if you break the law, you're held accountable. It's the same with God. We've all broken his law. We're all in trouble. That's why Jesus came to rescue us and save us. But it goes further than just we're not justified by the works of the law. But look at some of the other language Paul uses here. Romans 6, verse 14. You are not under law but under grace, he says. How interesting. Now that we're Christians, we're not under law. We're under grace. What's that mean? How does that relate to the law? Is the law now irrelevant to us? Look at Romans chapter 7, verses 4 through 6. He says this, Therefore, my brethren, you also are made to die to the law. 
more strong language about separating us, shall we say, from the law. But now, continuing, but now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we may that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. He begins to get into something here we're going to talk about tomorrow. And that is, if we're not under the law, what are we under? If we're not called to live by the law, if we've died to the law, if we're not under law but under grace, well, what do we do? Well, here he talks about we live in newness of the Spirit. Tomorrow we'll be looking and seeing what that means and how we're to live that way. But I want to continue on because this whole area of the Old Testament law, is it relevant? Does it still relate to believers, to unbelievers, to to whoever is such a big, big issue in our culture today? Why do I say that? I don't know if you can go to college these days and not hear the Old Testament law of God mocked. I've been on college campuses, as you know, for years and years and years. I've seen this in textbooks, what I'm about to share with you. I've seen it in textbooks, and I've heard it. I mean, uh, it seems like almost every day I'm on campus, someone asked me, Tom, do you wear clothing of mixed fabric? Tom, do you eat shellfish? Tom, those are laws in the Bible. You're not allowed to eat certain seafood. Tom, you're not allowed to mix fabrics in your clothing. And do you do this? And all of this is used to say that we Christians, we break whatever law we want to break, and we keep the laws we want to keep. In other words, we pick and choose. And in the old, and from the Old Testament, you like clothing that has some cotton and polyester in it, so you break that law, and that's okay. Or you like crab meat or lobster, so you break that law. Then they go on to say, you don't like homosexuality, so you say, we've got to keep that one. And this is used by people who want to undermine the Scripture in order to cause us to basically say, all of the law of God in the Old Testament, all the law of God is now irrelevant because we wear clothing and mixed fabric and we eat shellfish. And I'm if you, you you say this sounds crazy, but I will tell you this is widely believed amongst college students today. Widely believed, and I, like I said, I hardly hear have a day go by where someone doesn't ask me these questions. At least if if we really get things going out there, and there's an audience and so on, some of them are sincere questions because it confuses Christians. Well, how do we respond to this? We know, for instance, yeah, you can wear clothing and mixed fabric, but also part of the law is you shall not commit murder. That one we still keep. What is What gives here? Let's look. In the Old Testament, there are three types of law, and it's important we understand it. First of all, there's the moral law. The moral law is a reflection of God's nature, and it tells us how we ought to treat one another moral laws. This applies to all people at all times. You shall not commit murder. You shall not sleep with another man's wife. You don't steal someone else's property. These are moral laws that relate to all people at all times, even to this day for all people. But then there's also the ceremonial law. And the ceremonial law were the Jewish laws that related to cleanliness and worship. They're called kosher laws often. They they had to do with... uh, um, Going into the temple, you had to cleanse yourself in certain ways, certain foods that you could not eat, not because it was 
uh, morally sinful to eat that food. It was unclean to eat that food. One of these laws, for instance, is you shall not, uh, if, if you touch a dead person, it doesn't say you shall not. It says if you touch a dead person, you're unclean. This doesn't mean you're not allowed to bury a relative. It just means that if you do, you're unclean. You have to cleanse yourself with certain rituals, certain uh, cleansing rituals, uh, and wait 24 hours before you're allowed to go in the temple. But it wasn't a sin. It wasn't morally wrong for you to bury a relative. You're not supposed to just let them lay there in the street and decay. No, you were unclean. See the difference? It's a sin to murder, steal, uh, commit adultery, take God's name in vain. These are sins. It's a sin to bear false witness. It's a sin to worship an idol. It's a sin to have a false god. These are morally, these are moral laws that are broken and are and are wrong for all people at all times. But the ceremonial laws only had to do with the Jewish worship, and they weren't morally wrong. They were ritually unclean, and so these. We distinguish between these. Says a woman in her periods not to go into the temple. Doesn't mean she's sinning. That's just part of nature. It just means that during that time, she's unclean. And afterwards, she has to cleanse herself, and then she can go in the temple. You see the difference here? The clothing, the, the ones that the students asked me about clothing, uh, fabrics and mixed clothing, that's simply a ritual. That's a ceremonial law. That had to do with expressing purity. The, the priest when they go in the temple, their clothing was to be of one fabric because it was to show purity, not a mixture. That's all. When, when certain foods they were not to eat and the kosher foods, that was a matter of cleanliness and purity, not a matter of a moral offense against God. And then finally, there's the civil law. Civil law is the punishment required for breaking a moral or ceremonial law. Sometimes it was stoning. Sometimes it was a fine of money. Sometimes it was uh, you're to be uh, removed from the congregation. These were the ceremonial law, the civil laws. In our day, we are not under the civil law because we live in America. We don't live in Israel. We don't go stone someone because they, you know, slept with someone else's wife. That would be murder. That's the civil law. We follow the law of our state. The ceremonial law is where the question lies. We all know the moral law. We continue to live by it. Even though we're not under the law, we still live by it. And we'll see why tomorrow. We'll see why if you follow, if you're walking in the Spirit, you will fulfill the moral law. You do it for a different reason and different power, different motivation. But you still will fulfill it. But the ceremonial law, what what gives here? In the... In the <clears throat> In the New Testament times, the Apostle Paul took the gospel to Gentiles, Gentiles being non-Jews. And he took the gospel to them, and they were coming to Christ in great numbers. And then people followed behind him were called Judaizers. And the Judaizers told the Gentiles, basically, now that you have come to Jesus, this just means you're allowed to become a Jew. You need to be circumcised, enter in the ritual to enter in the Jewish faith, Jewish religion, and you need to uh, keep all the laws. You need to live in, under all the Mosaic laws. Well, Paul disagreed with this greatly, and there was great dissension about it. So they went up to the church in Jerusalem, and they submitted the facts to the, to the uh, elder, the apostles, the elders in the church in Jerusalem. Do you have to do this or not? And there was dissension and debate, and here's what they concluded. 
Therefore, this is James spoke up and he said this, therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them and they abstain, that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church. They all agreed. And they wrote a letter and they sent it out. And this now became the doctrine that the apostles and elders said, this is what we do. So in other words, they were saying, we're, we're not putting you under the law. Obviously, you've come to worship Christ now. You're reconciled to God. You're a follower of Christ. Now, don't go fornicating. Don't think you're not under the law so you can go committing sexual sins. Don't you know, leave your idols behind. Don't be eating that stuff contaminated by idols and drinking blood. I mean, some of your pagan sacrifices, you drink blood. No, none of that. And the strangling uh, was related as well to how meat which was to be prepared. It would be killed and the blood was to be shed. This was all they gave them. And then they were to walk by the Spirit. And if they walk by the Spirit, obviously, they're going to be keeping the moral law, which we'll talk about here tomorrow. It's important you understand that a person who, who mocks the Old Testament law, understand, is it, is it uh, moral? Is it ceremonial? Is it civil? This can clear up so much of the confusion and the intentional disinformation and distortion that's out there that's causing people to have a disrespect for the Old Testament and for the Word of God and the law of God, okay? Keep this in mind. Pass this on to people. If you know someone in college, I guarantee you they've heard these, these uh, accusations against the Scripture, and these three categories will help them understand. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bless you today. We thank you for the law of God. It's good. It's beautiful. It reflects who you are. We want to thank you that it, it, it is indeed, it's not just a bunch of rules, Lord. There are rules there, but it's, reflect, it's beautiful and good, and we praise you for it. We pray, Father, that we would understand the different types of law. We pray that those who are lost would be convicted by the moral laws they've broken. And we pray that as believers, we would know how, we, we want to thank you that we're free. We're, we're, we died to the law. We're not under the law, but we're now under grace, and we walk in the power of the Spirit. And for this, we're grateful and praise you. We give you this day to be your people and reflect you in everything we do. Fill us with your Spirit. Help us to be godly this very day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for being along with us today. I hope you enjoyed this message. I hope you found it helpful. We come and get in the Word every single day because we know we want to be strong in the Lord. We don't want to be weak. We don't want to just be tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. But we want to be standing firm, strong in the Lord. So I hope you'll join me every day. If you're new, welcome. I hope you'll subscribe to the channel. Tell your friends, like the video, leave a comment, introduce yourself. Those of you here every day, I love you. So glad to have you along. I know you're growing and the seed of God is being sown in good soil. That's you and your heart. God bless you. I love you and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Amen. Bye-bye.